Hey, Business Athlete Nation. What's going on? We're back in the saddle again, kicking off another big chat with Joe Rocky. Joe Rocky, the future owner. You gotta, you gotta stick around for this hook. He's the future owner of the Pittsburgh Pirates. True story. So you want to stick around and hear that? And oh, I got, I got another hook for you. Yeah, the guy's an axe-throwing non-champion. Hey, not everybody can be a champion, and not everybody can be an axe-throwing champion. Fuck, I can't even throw an axe. So I give the guy credit. Joe Aki, joining us here in a few minutes, live in the lab. You know where we sit. We sit here Monday, not to Friday. Ah, fuck. We did. We left that alone in 2023. We sit here Monday to Monday. We go live every single day, holding myself, holding you accountable, bringing it live. You know how we feel about live. I'm going to talk to Joe about this. Joe does a podcast. Joe does. Joe has done many podcasts, I think, over his lifetime. Joe records them, I think. But I also know he's a, a syndicated TV host. 55 million people watch the guy. Hey, that's pretty good. 54.99999 million more than watch me. One day we'll get there though. One day we'll get to 56 million. I'll go over to Joe and say, hey, Joe, I got 56, man. You already got 55? Oh, good for you. So I'm looking forward to welcoming Joe into the lab here in a few minutes. Hey, did you get your non-negotiables in today yet? I did. I'm going to ask Joe the same question. You know those non-negotiables, those things when you get up in the morning, and you look in the mirror and you go, okay, I got to get this done. I got to get this done and I got to get this done. Now, I'm bringing it up because it's January what? January 4th? I'm, I'm, I guess I'm dating the show. So by the time this drops, whatever it's scheduled to be sometime in mid-January, well, listen, if this drops in your inbox in a few weeks and you've already left your resolution out the window, well, then turn the show off and leave. Go somewhere else. I don't want you here. Don't want you here. I don't want resolutioners here. We want people who want sustainable, transformational relationships with me and the show and our guests. Bring you back. So what's your non-negotiable? Did you get it done today? I did. I'll tell you what I did. We'll do the show and tell. I'll show you. You tell me. So what did I do today? Well, I did 90 minutes on the bike. Mm-hmm. Went for a 30-minute walk. Mm-hmm. Did a 15-minute yoga. Mm-hmm. And they did 30 minutes strength. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This old guy's got to keep himself going. So I'm not subscribing to the Mark Wahlberg uh, lifestyle yet, which is doing less to, to be more as we get older. No, nah, I'm just doing more. All kidding aside, it's what keeps me going. So if you haven't taken care of your non-negotiables yet as you're listening to this, whether it's in the morning, whether it's in the afternoon, whether it's in the evening, I invite you to take care of your non-negotiables because you know what we do here in the lab we make suggestions we make recommendations and what do you do you make decisions so why don't we turn our attention monologue is over guys monologue is over i want to go talk to the future owner of the pittsburgh pirates and we're going to talk sales you know how i feel about sales i love sales sales is what makes 
the world and the organizations of every business you're working in go around. So I, while I love my friends in HR, love my friends in operations, love my friends in every other aspect of the business, but I'll tell you this right now. I will just be blunt and tell you this right now. Without guys like Joe and me, you don't have jobs. And if you don't like it and you don't agree with me, then go turn it off because it's true. So if you're sitting there going, well, I got this important HR job and I got this important operations job. That's good. That's great. Go have your meetings. Go move paper around your desk. Go, go, go do all of that. But if Joe ain't selling, the paper's useless. Your processes are useless. Your operational procedures are useless. Not enough organizations pay much attention to the most important thing, which is sales. Without revenue, nothing else matters, period. That's all I got to say. Let's go bring Joe Rocky into the lab. Once I find the button. We're going to do this and do this. Perfect. I oh, I get dual cats. Oh, I love screen. There he is. We're going to bring there the music. We go. <laughs> We're going to bring the music down and bring Joe into the room. What's going on, Joe Rocky? Not too much, man. I, I really appreciate your intro. You think you hit on a couple of uh, really important things that to address here. Um, it's particularly in the world of sales. And one of the things that I think is important when you're going through the elements of the other parts of a company is that, yeah, I mean, obviously you have a place, but as a professionally trained accountant, the very first line on every relevant piece of filing is sales and or cash flow. And both of them derive from creating revenue in a process here. And that's really what, what I believe in. And, you know, I do believe sales will heal the world. All mm -hmm. of these macro problems that politicians keep saying we having, they get worse. You know, all the isms, racism, ageism, sexism, whateverism, um, they all get solved by sales. And when sales are done correctly, which for most of the country, they're not. But when sales are done correctly, it hits upon one of the big things you said earlier. You got to build relationships. And I take sales in the complete context of the revenue cycle, which does include some of those paper pushers, as you mentioned right there. Uh, but really, at the end of the day, your company needs to do three things that it doesn't matter what kind of company you are, whether you're IBM or Ford or whoever, your company needs to do three things. One, clients need to know who you are and how to find you and have a desire to do so. Step two, when they're with you, you have to be able to get resources from them, money, in exchange for a promise of your product. And then part three, your product has to be awesome. So I bring that up because sales is much more than just that middle component, although obviously it's important. It's the whole part of the process. Mm -hmm. And so many of us are out there that are really good in one of the portions of the prospects. And most people start their business because they're really good at the product or the service. You know, I know how to be amazing at this, but I don't really have any idea how to do the first one. And that's okay. Most people's personalities are only really geared towards one, maybe yeah. one and a half, but it's never all three of those components. And that's fine. This is where we get in giving information like this and how to help. So really excited to be in the lab and how to make a difference here. Awesome, Joe. So listen, people have been hearing us for the last few minutes rant about sales. And they're like, so who, who, who are these guys? So we know a little bit about this Keith guy. But what's Joe Rocky's credibility? So Joe Rocky Jr. So let's go right back to the beginning. Sure. So you're a junior. I am. 
So let's talk about dad, Joe Rocky. Joe Rocky is from, first of all, let's start with dad, mom and dad. Where, where are you from? Where are you born? Let's build the credibility train of Joe Rocky. Yeah, sure. So I'm Pittsburgh, PA. Um, my entire life, I've lived within 10 minutes of Heinz Field, um, including college, which is fantastic and awesome. So um, so went here, stayed here at Duquesne. Um, Duquesne is the Catholic college in, in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, went there, got the double major in accounting and finance. Interesting. And, accounting finance. Yes. Yeah. If, if you're there, you might as well get all the credits for the same price. They charge, at least in my case, they charge the same amount for 12 credits as I believe it was 20. Um, so, you know, let's do this type mentality. Yeah. And throughout that whole time, I was also doing sales gigs because my first sales job was when I was 18. And with the exception of the mandated internships, which were in accounting, every job I've had my entire life has been in sales. And I fell in love with the commission-only lifestyle very early. Uh, very hard to, if yes. you're good at it, to not do it anymore. Yes. But it's very, very hard to live on the commission-only lifestyle, especially, you know, when you're in college. But, you know, I looked around, saw all these people that were working normal hourly jobs and realizing, you know, I'm getting paid way more than you. But at the end of the day, I'm getting paid way less often. So there are times when it's like, whoa, super cash. We just sold a bunch of knives versus, oh, shit, when's the next money coming in? To now it's looking around like, oh, you guys are making nine bucks an hour. That's cool. You know, I go and sell a complete set. I'm walking out with three grand. So you're going to get that in what, eight weeks? So that, that's how I, I looked at it and, and, and how I got hooked on the, uh, the commission model. And then after that, we just kept growing. I came out of college the first, during the recession. Yeah. Um, so awesome. You got an accounting and finance degrees when everyone is blaming the accounting firms. Um, in fact, the president of the United States is saying that the accounting firms did it wrong. And how dare you rate us as anything other than what I want to be rated as. That was the atmosphere I was coming out as, as GM was going bankrupt and the banks were all fighting to survive. They're not really hiring when they're in the middle of that notion to kind of put the picture on it. So that was the world I was entering into. So who always hires? People who pay on commission because if you fail, they don't care. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the grim reality, right? So I became a financial advisor. First year, I was rookie of the year. Second year, underclassman of the year. Third year, I left to go start my first business. And fast forward to now, what are we in, 24? Mm -hmm. So 13 years later, um, 17 businesses and everything's growing and being awesome. So, yeah. You, you mentioned, Joe, you mentioned the word commission only lifestyle and yeah. it's, it's a word that I've, I, I love it. I, I never really hear it. You're off. You will. We often hear the words like solopreneur, entrepreneur, starving sales guy, commission guy, but commission only lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting way to look at it, isn't it? Because you're not satisfied with knowing you're only going to make X amount of dollars every two weeks. Because mm -hmm. I'm the same way. It's like somebody saying, well, well, Keith, but you, we're going to pay you this, but you can only make this every two weeks. I'm like, well, well, no, but how can I make more? Well, no, but that's all we're going to give you. Mm -hmm. That's really what it comes down to, right? Because then you got to make the decision whether you're satisfied living a budgeted life with somebody's predetermined amount they're going to give you, or you got to go do it on your own, right? Really? Yeah. I mean, that, that's essentially the difference between salary and commission. I mean, this is why I devoted an entire part of my book to this is because it's important. And it's also the only way, regardless of your starting point, that you can control your own life 
from an yes. economic and really every standpoint. You know, there is no, I need to hope the boss likes me so I get a promotion and a raise. It's, no, I performed, I got results, and now I get paid more because I made X more sales or a bigger sale or whatever the case may be in your world. But that's the answer. And it doesn't matter what your starting point is because when you do sales correctly, it's all relationship-based. Yeah. yeah, All of us have these skills from the moment we're born. Just unfortunately, many of us have had them trampled out of us by horrendous systems, parents, et cetera, that just didn't allow us to develop correctly. And not to mention the 1960s sales method, which most of us are oppressed under, is just draining people out. So you add this all together, even though there's all this great potential of being in sales of the commission only lifestyle, the reality is it has the highest turnover in the world. Mm -hmm. Because it ain't easy. Um, it's not easy even when you do it right. Like, how do I live with a mountain of money and not know when the next one comes? Yeah, yes. Well, that's the success side, but the hard <laughs> part is most people are selling wrong in the first place. And when you're selling wrong, it's very hard to, to make things work right. Refer to that uh, 60s style sales process. What, what is old school sales like compared to sales in 2024? Well, I, I wish I could say it's been completely overhauled. It really hadn't. But the, start with what it is. It's going to be the same model that every person can think of when they close their eyes and think of a bad sales situation. It's the, you only get off the phone if you agree to give me what I want. You only leave this car lot if you buy a car. It, it is the high pressure, push you down in an environment. And as a result of buyers, we've all been exposed to this. Our parents have been exposed to this, et cetera. And we've been taught it's okay to lie to salespeople. Mm -hmm. We got to do whatever we can to get away from them. They're going to try to pin us and pressure us into doing something that we don't want, even though I'm on a car lot because I want to buy a car. I mean, how many people have ever gone to a car lot and had no desire to buy a car? They just like, hey, I got nothing to do. Let's just walk around this hot asphalt circle and look at stuff. <laughs> no, people aren't doing that. So the reality is, is we're all trained to lie. And we have this process of saying, I'm going to lie. I'm going to gather what information I can without getting caught on this guy's hook. I'm not going to commit to anything moving forward. And then maybe I'll make a decision. That's essentially the world that all of our prospects live in. And that's the reality. This is part of why sales is so hard. So when you go into this, you fast forward to answer your question from then to now, the internet took off eBay was the first, Amazon realized it worked later. Why? Because even though I'm not getting any additional information helping me about this product, I'm not getting that negative effect. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I will go and buy my run-of-the-mill stuff that I don't need to bother with a salesperson online. And that really has changed, what, the last 20 so years. Mm -hmm. But still, when people are making an important purchase, not necessarily an expensive purchase, yeah. but an important purchase to them, they want to talk to someone. So this is why you don't see successful online jewelers, for example. They exist, but they're nowhere near as successful as going in person to meeting someone. Because when I'm going to buy that ring, I want it to be important. I want to know all of this ins and outs of it. So there's a need for salespeople, but you need to do it right. And it, the fun, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. It, it, jewelry is an interesting thing, and I'm glad you raised that because there's actually nothing complicated about jewelry at all, is it? Like it's, it's gold or silver or it's a metal. It's a metal and it's a metal. It's a completely emotional sale. 
completely. Yeah, and then I mean, obviously, you can get into the nuances of the grades of the diamonds and gems. Right, but but that's just information that can be displayed on a web page. But yet, exactly. Quite frankly, it all can be explained in a five-minute video. I mean, same with same with appliances. Quite frankly, but you still go to Home Depot or Lowe's and you look at all of them. You look at all various. You look at all the other elements of it. Why? Because it's an important purchase to you. I'm going to be using this stove for half a decade or longer, you know, whatever the appliance is. So when we look, we know that there's a need for it, but it requires us to get into some really important stuff that most people don't want to do, which is build meaningful relationships. And it's kind of hard and tricky because I don't want to build a relationship with someone who's going to lie to me. All these people, prospects, society, whatever, have been trained to lie to my profession. So how do I build a relationship with that being the starting point? That is the ultimate challenge of modern salespeople confronting the 1960 sales method and, quite frankly, why it's not going away. Even though telemarketing is going away, but I'm glad about that. Is sales still a numbers game? And the second part to that question, Joe, is... uh... Is it, does cold calling still work? All right. So it's a numbers game. You're doing it without relationships. So yeah, there is a certain percentage of we just call you up, get in front of enough people. It will just work. That is the core of the 1960s method. There was no alternative. It works. Just keep calling people, calling people, calling people. Cold calling still can work. Cold leads definitely work. But you can't do it just from a logistical standpoint of someone answers the phone, one Mississippi, three Mississippi, eight Mississippi, ten. Oh, now it went to an actual person. Um, as you have heard so many times with those call centers that are auto ringing you and then it has to connect. If it's not an immediate talking to someone, it's not going to work. Also, if you don't make a connection in that first four seconds, it's not going to work. So there are ways to radically improve your cold caller. Um, but yes, the long story short is you can do it. At least put yourself on a starting field where you have to do all the dials, listen to people hang up on you or not pick up. No one wants to do it because you waste so much time on no one answering. But if you learn how to make a successful voicemail that doesn't sound like a robot, you can radically increase your likelihood and success. So the answer is yes, you can do it. Um, but there's you can't do it the way everyone else is. The, the easy way of just trying to buy time is cold calling is not one of those places you can do it. So where yesterday, put that in air quotes for the listeners, cold calling was really the only way you can get in front of humans. Now you have all these different networks, LinkedIn, X, Instagram, Facebook, these different networks where people are existing. Mm-hmm. Is that the place for tomorrow's, you know, AKA today's cold calling? Yeah. So l- let me break down a couple of things here to, to, to try to put this in, in the right direction. The way every single one of you have been taught how to find your ideal prospect is wrong, period. All of you are going off of demographics. Your person looks like this. They smell like this. They're this age. They're this whatever. That is wrong. And that is the starting point problem of every model that you have been taught that is still being taught at MBAs across this nation. It is wrong. Okay, I'm, and I'm paying attention because I'm selling to a demographic. I have a, I have a wall of personas that I've crafted. So, so this is awesome it. right now. So this is awesome. I, I'm, I'm taking it all in. Let's go. This is what's going to answer your question about the future, by the way. 
Mm -hmm. What really matters, and quite frankly, the only thing that matters, not what they look like, smell like, or whatever, what do they need solved? It's the only thing that matters. Yeah. What do they need solved? Who they are is irrelevant. What do they need solved? And then therefore, to answer the follow-up question on this, which is, where do they go to look to solve it? And for each of us in our own space, there's a specific answer. The general answer, if you don't know that, is YouTube. How do I become better at playing the flute? That's an interesting, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to Google it and you're going to go, I don't want to read, I want to watch. And then you're going to end up on YouTube. That is the general answer for basically everything. Uh, now, Grant, some of you guys will have specific places. Like, if I want to go buy the best corn combine in the world, there are specific sites for that. It still ends up with, where do my prospects go to solve this problem? That's where I need to be. So, you go there, and now you are in a different marketplace altogether. I... Dude, I'm just selling flute lessons. Why, why should I be making YouTube? Like, I, I get kids that are coming out that are having a hard time not really learning from the local school districts, but they want to be good. Why do I need to be there? Why do I need to do this? Because that's where people go for solutions. Because you, if you give enough, you, you, you give why you should come to you, and then people will. If not, they're just going to go three minutes here, three minutes there, build a whole montage and never actually pay for anything. Because quite frankly, if you people are like water. If I can get the solution for the least amount of resources out, I'm going to do it. There's a, a large segment of the population that is that way. So especially if it's a problem that they don't really realize is a problem. That's another key element of sales that you need to do. Go from what is the surface level business problem to why is this truly meaningful inside your soul. That's an entire sales system that I do teach in my book and my courses. Um, but the answer to your question here, what problem do your people need solved? Where do you go to, where do they go to get that answer? Because it used to be a hundred years from now, you had three choices, newspaper, radio, if you could afford it or talking to people. As people, we still like the whole element of talking to someone, but we need to be able to build a relationship. And video is the best means of doing that nowadays because, quite frankly, let's face it, people live on their phones. That's where people go to get answers. I go to my phone or I go to the internet, set another way, you're going to Google or YouTube. Are is, you better at writing or talking? Is that why we are seeing a continued preponderance of video content where everybody just wants to watch everything? Oh, yeah. So in 2011... I would, my first business I created was real estate. Mm -hmm. I, I, I would flip houses and either rent them or flip them out. And people would go and look at four pictures on a scroller and then determine if they like that house or not. Essentially investing less than 30 seconds. I realized if I put up a seven minute video, I will get 80% of it watched by the exact same person that used to give me less than 30 seconds. Why? because they can see it. And also now I can talk to you. I'm never in the video. I'm literally at the time was holding an iPhone, doing it in silent and then having a voiceover later. But the reason is, is because people don't want to do stuff. Scrolling through pictures, you're making a decision every single time I'm going to look at the next picture. 
the video just keeps going. So I'm giving a better chance at selling this pro property because you've seen it more. You have bigger exposure to it. And you've also then heard the person selling it to you, which pictures obviously cannot do. So the reason you're seeing people go there is it's easier. It's easier on people's brains. And going back to the example of people from 100 years ago, your brain 100 years ago had time to slow down and turn off. And now we live in a world where our phones go off every 17 seconds. Our brains never get an opportunity to slow down and think. So if you live in a space where you're doing any form of content, whether it be writing out an agenda, writing out a specific script or whatever, and it doesn't perfectly line up with what your prospect wants, they shut down. They zone out. They go off. Because their minds need time to have breaks, and we're constantly looking for it. So, the long story short, that is why we're going video. That's why the whole world is going video, because it's a way that even though people are zoned out watching it by paying attention to something else, at least you're getting the voice element to get into people's subconscious. And when people do care and realize, they zone in very quickly. It's interesting to hear you say it, because one of the reasons I started this, this daily show, and I know you've done, you do TV shows, you do podcasts, so I'm curious to hear your opinion on this, Joe. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I started this daily show to create what you just suggested, which was this daily stream of conscious. People just know that every single day at noon central, one o'clock Eastern time, um, this show's popping up in their feeds. Regardless if they watch it or not, there's this familiarity, there's this trust, there's this relationship being built over time. Am I doing that correctly, Joe Rocky? Yeah, as long as at the end of the day, your, your goal is to build a relationship. Yes. That's the goal. You know, you're, you're never really coming across selling things. I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about things that are going to be helping people, holding them accountable. What did you need to get done today? Did you do it or not? Yes. You know, it, it, it's very black and white. And um, can, can I spend a quick minute on that, like, like about why that's awesome? Absolutely. Yeah, let's go back and forth, man. Let's do it. Yeah. So one of the things that people mess up all the time, and when I was writing my book, diving into the research of this, I found absolutely fascinating. So it's like sharing it, is that so many things that we are taught our lives, especially about the way your brain works. And the, the key part of this is that you essentially have two parts of your brain. It commonly calls conscious and subconscious. More accurately, it's the sensory side of your brain and the logic side of your brain. The logic side for most of us takes over and rolls every second of every day. It wants to be in charge and control. But the sensory part of our brain essentially stops developing somewhere between kindergarten and second grade. It's the, I want to know what my five senses are telling me. You know, vision, smell, you know them. The point being, most physical ailments that people have internally are a result of your logical side of your brain not listening to something. So it essentially outsources to your sensory side to make you change. So if you're dealing with extreme procrastination or waking up with back pains, and even impetuosity is directed to this, it's because there's something inside your brain 
you don't want to do and you're not listening to. And if you listen to yourself and figure out what that is and change it, so many pains and problems of your life will go away. Things like obesity, avoidance, hiding, all these things that we, depression, all these things that we wish we didn't have are really stemming from something that went wrong in our life in the past or that we're dreading doing in the future. And most of us will never sit down and address that. We just live in the, oh, my back always hurts while I'm driving the work. Well, that's because you hate your work. You just haven't figured out a way to deal with that yet. Your body's trying to tell you this. Like, let's figure this out. And if I can give people a, a quick little exercise that they can do, it, it will radically change your life. And the way this works is put yourself in a comfortable setting, um, ideally with less sensory input if possible. Close your eyes and in a nurturing way. The, the, the point of this exercise is not to be critical, mean, or whatever. Put yourself in a state of silence and just think with your eyes closed of where am I? What is my boiling temperature right now? What is going good? What is not? And then just allow yourself to explore the current. Not necessarily with direction. Just go down this river and see where it ends up. And some of you will end up in a place where I want this different. Or some of you end up in a place where I wish this was different. Either way visualize what it was through your eyes of right now. Particularly if you're thinking about something that you wish in the past was different. Visualize what happened with your mindset. When you were younger, you didn't have the same abilities that you do now. That's a fact of life. What do you wish was different? How would it be? And as you're with your eyes closed thinking this through, it's going to be scary. It might even be painful. But the point is you be nurturing to yourself. This is how I wish it would have been. This is what I would like to have done better. And what you will find is the more you do this exercise, the more you start changing things in your present and in your future. It will happen naturally. Because what all of our brains do is they build blocks. Because at some point, something bad happened and we didn't know how to overcome it. So we built a block in there to essentially don't visit this web page again. But the problem is that web page is still running in the background of your brain, taking up time and energy. And if you don't turn it off, it will lead to biological problems. This is how you take the blocker off and you see what it was. Now, that does not change what the past was. I don't want to try to imply it will. But it will change how you deal with it and address things moving forward to the point where you can turn that gear off. And now you're not taking up that energy. And now all of a sudden, you know what? I can take with the risk of saying, boss, you're doing it wrong. And I don't want to continue representing this. We need to do it differently. And I'm willing to take on the risk to the point that that might even mean I get fired. I'm willing to do it. Or, you know what? I haven't talked to this guy in six years. I'm going to send him a text and then call him. And, and those things or how you revitalize your life. It's how you fix a lot of problems that people are going with 
And really, to recap, all it is is sitting in a quiet room, sometimes with the lights off, and consciously allowing your thoughts to go where they go without critical judgment and observation and curiosity. And if you are able to do that and willing to do that, it takes a commitment. If you are able and willing to do that, your life changes a trajectory beyond magnitude. It's just the way it is. You work out a lot. I'm sure you know there's times in your life when you used to run with extra pounds on you. Oh, yeah. It's done later in life, but now it's like, I don't even remember what it was being that heavy. Well, the thing is now is because you're not, but you know you're better. This yeah, is kind of the same thing. Well, I have a mantra that I, you know, I've talked about here on the show that uh, nothing feels as good as, nothing tastes as good as fit feels. Right. Nothing tastes as good as I feel like I feel really good right now. So while I want to go eat the pizza, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to make me feel really crappy the next morning. It's going to make me feel crappy all day tomorrow. And I'm going to have. So it's, you know, it's a battle for all of us that are listening to this and talking. But that's it's a mantra that I use to to help myself uh, move forward. And 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 I like your your your, your suggestions, Joe, and, and the way you communicated those words. It's what we try to do here on the show. And you probably heard me say this at the beginning, which is. Um, using language like making suggestions, making recommendations, giving the audience the power to make the decisions, right? Mm-hmm. Creating that awareness, right? So if you're listening to this right now and you're off for a walk, you know, some of the things that Joe said might give you the power to move forward or move sideways or make a decision. It's hard for people to make decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it, it absolutely is. You know, we don't get taught how to make relationships, right? Like we all just kind of essentially are just thrown out there with the, you'll figure it out mentality true isn't it we actually don't get taught how to have relationships yeah you you don't um you should be you're not you essentially just see what your parents relationship was kind of absorb it yeah um and then somewhere you're again going back to the blocks of your brain they make a choice of i either want to do the opposite or i want to do that because when you're that young those are the only two things you know there is no gray it's yes no i'm doing that or i'm not doing that and this is why you see so many generational repeating problems if you think of any negative situation this person all he he's just like his dad whatever that negative thing is he repeats it just like them that's what that they do and you can see that across the board and the reason is because you're a you were never taught how to build a relationship and all your brain had was do that or don't do that and at the end of the day i liked mom so i did the same thing she did and then i ended up being a victim just like her and then my daughter did, and then her granddaughter did, and et cetera, and et cetera. Just how this stuff lasts for generations and generations upon generations. And if you really want to change that, it starts with changing yourself. Sure, we've all heard that example a million times. But the way it's actually done is diving inside your mind in a nurturing way and looking at what happened. And then to take it to the next step, figuring out what it could be differently even if that person's dead and you have no ability to change it, just what could it be differently? Your brain will open up pathways that will change your present and your future. And it might be scary and it might be painful, but it is incredibly beneficial. You know, no one ever woke up and said, hey, I'm going to run a marathon today and didn't think it was going to hurt, but they're better off for it. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Joe, how do you find the power to show up every single day? Because I know I'm making the difference. 
I mean, that it, it, it's that straightforward. It, 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 for, for me, I woke up and I realized that all of us have limitations. All of us have things that we wish we could power through. You know, for, for the basis of my book is I didn't have enough money with all of my friends going to Las Vegas. You know, I was back doing those flips. I had the, the arrogance hubris or whatever that it would sell. I'd have a ton of cash. We'll go waste it. They all had normal people jobs that were paying them biweekly. And we were, you know, all in our mid-20s. So let's go waste some money in Vegas. And again, going back to that commission lifestyle, sometimes there are spots when you have no money. And being that it was a flip, you have to leverage a lot on that. I literally had 500 bucks in my pocket and 250 on my credit card, like no money at all to be in Vegas for three days. And that's a major limitation of resources. Um, like you, you, you're there. What are you going to do about it? Uh, and not, not to do the whole thing of the book, uh, but that's what the book is, is how I overcame that using just sales skills. But what I'm going to invite people to do here is to look inside yourself and the goal of this exercise is going to be find three to six things, and that's it, only three to six things that you can have inside yourself, regardless of any external resources, meaning money, time, whatever. And again, close your eyes, sit in a comfortable position. And if you're someone who, who enjoys music, think about notes and hear musical notes fluttering around you. If you're a visual person and you like to see things, think of that scene from Jurassic Park with all the DNA strands flying around. Yeah. Um, but they're just words. And all of those words or, or musical sounds are different things that people like about you and that you like about yourself. You're a listener. You're an, your attributes. You're curious. You like to, to do this, that, or the other. And just think of all those various things that you like doing and being there. I like being a friend. I like being compassionate. I like this, that, or the other. And just think about them all just kind of rolling around you in this big, fast tornado. And now I want you to stop them. And every single one of them that are not the most important to you, have them fall to the ground. And those three to six things that are still slowly now going around your head, Identify what they are and lean into them. Those are the three to six attributes about yourself that will make your difference that you can always lean into regardless of your situation. For example, you can have a desire to learn more. You can have a desire to bring justice. You can have a desire to be humble. You have a desire to be curious. All of these are different examples. And, and this is not a right or a wrong answer. This is what is meaningful to you. All of us are built to be different. And all of us are going to have a different three to six things. And your job is to be true to those. When you talk about being authentic, being meaningful, it's what are those and what are you bringing out? You know, to go full circle here, there was part of us talking about why it's so hard to, to, to make relationships and sales. And yes, we're never taught how to do it, but so many of us don't have enough confidence in those three to six things, if we've even ever discovered them, that we feel we're going to be embarrassed. We get that seventh grade dance in the middle of a gym with all the guys on one wall and all the other girls on the other wall. And if I walk across, I'm going to be exposed and destroyed. And the reality is, is that 
leaning into those three to six things about you are the only way you'll be able to wake up in the morning and be happy without pain, without this, that, or the other problems that you see so many people around you living with. And if you literally lean into those things, again, in combination of exploring your past, you'll be able to identify what direction you want to be moving forward. And if you do those two exercises in conjunction with each other, you really will figure out how to accelerate yourself to the next level. And it also, by the way, will teach you, you know, really what you want in people around you and, and, and where your fits are. It, it truly defines what your puzzle piece is to fit in this canvas of life. Yeah. Joe, you, uh, you went from selling things mm-hmm. to now selling yourself as a business coach. So you went from yeah. real estate, financial services. Now you're, um, behind elite business conversations, your business coach, my audience, uh, athletes and business leaders in transition are, are aspiring to be a business coach. How do you become a business coach? How do you sell yourself? How do you get your customers? How does, uh, how does Joe grow his business as a, as a business coach? Well, the starting point to go back to that, that the three parts of the revenue cycle, you need to know what you are, you need to know what your product is and you need to be incredibly confident in that. That's obviously the final step. I know without a doubt that the system that I do works. Again, I have made 17 businesses before I became a coach. The reason I became a coach, I actually fell into it. I didn't know I was going to. I live in Pennsylvania, as you mentioned before. Mm-hmm. We were the fifth worst shutdown state because of COVID. I had friends around me getting their businesses told that you don't matter and you're not allowed to exist. And oh, by the way, we're going to be closed longer than everybody else. Good job surviving. And I watched businesses fail. And what I did is I stepped in and and taught people how to make them work in the worst, irrelevant, stupid conditions of the world. Um, Yes, I'm completely hiding how I feel about COVID and how we dealt with it. Um, But that is the reality. And it works. I, I know how to make a business successful. I know how to make it work. I knew I had the knowledge. Again, built 17 businesses. I've been there. I've done this. So it then became really the mission of how to keep people from closing their doors, how to keep you from losing as an employee, from losing your job, essentially. Because just here in Pittsburgh, we had three different um blanking on the word now, um, where you die, viewing houses, I guess they're called different things in different parts of the country, but essentially embalming. Once you die, they show the, 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 the casket and all that. And as an embalmer that you've been doing this and you're 58 now, there's no other industry that cares how you put chemicals into a body to keep it pre- presentable. You know, that's a very specialized skill. That there's not a whole lot of more of these places showing up. And my waking up to want to take care of it was I want to make sure that that type of thing never closes again. Now, why does it close? Very natural reasons why businesses end. Probably the thing I get told the most. But Joe, nobody wants it. No, no one wants it that you talk to. You're really, really good at making bread. You have no idea how to sell your bakery. That's where I step in. Sometimes it is to sell it outright. But normally what it is, is how to build a structure that will work without you. So even after you pass or retire and go to wherever, the thing will still live on. 
And, and I get incredible joy and happiness, A, knowing that I saved all these people's job. I can turn around and look at an entire room and say, you know what? If Jim didn't call me, none of you would have a job right now. Now, I don't normally explicitly say that. Sometimes Jim will. Um, but Or whoever the, the business owner being, obviously. Point being, you look at this, you know, I just saved 50 families. I just saved, you know, however many employees there were. Not to mention all the customers who needed this product and, and found joy from it that still get to be served. So the long story short answer about seven questions in one, um, that's what keeps me up in the morning. That, that, that's what makes me want to do this. I know that I'm making a difference. I know that I'm helping people and that I want to. So how did I become the coach here that people call up was I just started helping people, helping people. And then it became apparent that it works. And the thing that I like to emphasize that I think is very important, aside from the fact that there's a ton of coaches out there. There's a ton of brokers out there. There's very few that do both. So I'm already in a, a unique situation there. I also live in a spot where most people have a system. And that system might work for this circumstance or that circumstances. And I think of the system essentially as your skeleton. You need it. If you don't have it, you're going to fall over. But it's not going to be able to really work unless you put flesh to it. And to me, that is what the relationships and relationship building process is. And again, that, that's why I focus on actually teaching people, this is how you build a relationship. And again, doing it in the most one-sided sales environment in the world, which is a Las Vegas casino floor, and making it successful is why I wrote that book, Casino mm -hmm. Sales Master. Do you, do you use YouTube? Yeah. In fact, actually, I will be live with a non-business show, but I do a show called Football, uh, Local Football Flavor um, with a co-host that I went to high school with. And we literally just talk fantasy football every Thursday afternoon <laughs> um, for that and, and gambling information as well, which I'm incredibly proud to say 61% against the spread and over-unders, which is incredibly hard um, for the season long here. So I'm incredibly happy with that. How have you used podcasting, broadcasting, um, live shows to build yourself and your business? I, I went on a rant yesterday that mm -hmm. so I've been doing this live show now for, hmm, I guess, a few months. And uh, it's incredible. The networking, the narrative in a world of AI where everything is, I'll just kind of paraphrase, everything can be fake. Mm hmm. What a wonderful way to have a real live human conversation with a narrative like old school talk radio by doing this. Mm -hmm. And I'm really surprised more brands, more companies, more executives don't find time in their day to do what you and I are doing right now. I'm not talking about an hour, mm -hmm. but just having that narrative with their stakeholders and their audience, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. But man, what a powerful medium. Oh, absolutely. So I started my first podcast in 17, 2017. Yeah. Um, counting the TV show, I am responsible for three of them now. Mm -hmm. um, and all different spaces, by the way. Um, we started Father and Joe in 2017. Mm -hmm. uh, for those who don't remember that far ago, the transition between Trump and Obama was not awesome in this country. Regardless of which side of the fence you were on, everyone kind of agrees upon that. You were essentially told you have to watch this network or that network, and you weren't allowed to interact with each other. Mm -hmm. And the long story short, as being someone who's curious in history and a studier of history, every single society or civilization 
that went down the road of saying, you're not allowed to talk to this group or another group within the society, one of three things has always happened. Number one, that country has a civil war. Number two, that country goes to war with someone else. Or number three, that country commits a major genocide, which really is just a one-sided civil war. That always happens. That's the end of human history. That's what happens. So I wanted to create a podcast essentially to try to stem that tide. Um, that podcast is called Father and Joe. And I do it with, with a priest who's named Father Boniface Hicks. And he is talking about connecting the lottery with someone I didn't really truly know at the time that this started. He's the number two in the English language as directed by the Vatican in terms of spiritual development of priests. So he pretty much knows any single life problem you could throw at it. He not only knows the answer on a third grade level, he knows it on super PhD max. So um, we started this show and it really fundamentally revolves around the relationship you hold with yourself, the relationship you hold with others, and then all underneath the umbrella of the relationship you hold with, with your God. And really, we have done that show once a week, every Tuesdays, only audio. and with the mindset of as you educate people about real world situations, mostly what I'm going through in my life in that moment and how it deals with it. And, you know, it connects with people and it makes a difference. So to answer your question, having gone through seven or uh, seven years or so of doing that, when I first started, I had no idea how to make a podcast. No, granted, things are way easier now to start than it was back then. You know, now I have a microphone here that blocks out background noise. Wish that existed back in the day. You know, I'm able to go get a quality camera and all this stuff. Skype is vastly better post-COVID. And all of it is, all the video conferencing, than it was before it. So part of the reason is, is it's different. It's not something that I'm normal with. But inevitably, if you start making desirable content, there's going to be a moment or two when you're vulnerable. There's going to be a moment or two whenever you're out there in a spot where this isn't normally what I do. This is weird. I'm only talking to two people, but 500 people can hear it. 5,000 people can hear it. 5 million people, whatever. Whoa. Okay. That's different. Now, Now it's there. And you can even see professionals that do the same thing week in, week out. If something gets a little different, it gets weird. And I'm again, dating the show here. We're recording this just after New Year's. For anyone that remembers the Sunday night football game, New Year's Eve, and watched it all the way to the end, Tariko has announced football games for 30-some years. So was Chris Collinsworth. But the moment that Chris Collinsworth was handed champagne and started drinking, you saw Mike Tariko quiver up and be like, this is weird, I don't like it. Like You, you would literally watch it. I, I, as a fascination I have with watching people, um, it was there. Why? Because it was different. It was outside of the comfort zone. So people naturally don't want to do that. We're told all the time that you should. This is awesome, though. Because no. I'll, I'll tell you. It yeah. works. It's very successful. But then you also like, now I'm competing in another arena. Like, how do I get people to actually watch me on YouTube? Like, how does that work? And it's a completely different space than it is of how do I sell bread? And for most people, making that transition is hard. It, I mean, it is hard to become one of the top 3% shows, regardless of your platform. It ain't easy, but it requires consistency, quality, and a relationship. Most mm-hmm. people aren't willing to do that. 
So, answer your question. That's the answer. Well, so you know what, Joe? Though it's interesting to hear you you speak about. Uh, yes, it has never been easier to put a podcast on today. Mm-hmm. It's never been easier to be healthier or to be fit. Mm-hmm. As long as you listen to the right things and are willing to call out crap. But yet, human beings still struggle every single second and moment of their life with accountability. Mm-hmm. So. I'd rather just do the podcast once a week or once a month because I really don't want to commit to doing it every single day. I'd rather record it so that if I mess up, I can erase it and re-record it. That's why I love the power of... of The most important thing to do is not do that. Just go live with it. Um, That's why I went last. why I go live. So when the the decision was made to do this show, somebody said to me, okay, so we should do a podcast. And I said, okay. And they said, let's do what? Once once a week, once a month? No, let's do it live every single day. Mm-hmm. what i go yeah because if we're going to record it anyways if i still got to block an hour of time to do something and everybody else is going to record it anyways because that's what the world has taught them to do mm-hmm. i'm going to be vulnerable and i'm going to empower myself to go live yeah, yeah. and then i'll be accountable to my words when i mess up make make mistakes and so forth because human beings still thrive to watch live events that's what we mm-hmm. want to see because we want to see humans either squirm fail do good things do bad things but to me this is the but to do a live conversation is the power of this medium yeah it, it, the other thing i like about it so on local football flavors i showed that, that that's the the show that we now do live um we only do it once a week but that's mostly a scheduling thing i mean sure. I, i'm sitting around like that's that's more of a passion project yes the tv show yes that is about my business but the other ones really aren't. They're, they're about me making a difference and, and me wanting to do them. So as I look at this and go through why we're going live, it's because for a year and a half, we did all pre-recorded. I would turn them into shorts, all this, that, and the other. And at the end of the day, I realized, A, it's taking way too much time and it's not really being worth it. And B, I'm actually hurting the YouTube algorithm because we're not really a shorts company. You know, what we're doing is we're making long-term content. And then the other part I love about it is, I can interact with the audience immediately. You know, mm. they send me in the questions. Should I be starting CD Lamb, even though he's going to be playing in a blizzard in Buffalo? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who, 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 you know, who should we start? Send him start. Who should I be putting my money on this week? Now I'm actually getting the real feel from the audience and getting their answers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my still personal favorite is being on a stage in front of a live audience. Absolutely. But next thing aside, the virtual stage where people can send in comments is the next best thing. Yeah. Well, so I, I'm the same way. I because I, I don't mind putting myself out there and being vulnerable, and and you know th- this is my happy space behind the microphone, behind the camera. I can be vulnerable, and I can be real, and I can be authentic, and 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 it's a skill that I've learned how to have that a lot mm-hmm. of people aren't able to do. But for for me, it is a skill, isn't it? Yeah. But for me. It was as much publicly drawing a line in the sand and saying, hey, world, yes, I'm showing up every single day at noon. And that was my accountability promise to the world, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's how I looked at it live. It's like, okay, well, you know, last night's Jets game, my, my, my local Winnipeg hockey team started at 7 o'clock, not at 8 o'clock, not, not, not when they wanted to start it. It's like, no, it's going to 7 o'clock. It's live. And, we, you know, we all got to be ready to show up. Mm-hmm. Right, and that to me is the power of live content. Yes, yeah, the, 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 there's tremendous power in that for ac- across the board. 
And does that mean that every single one of your episodes is going to get viewed by your ideal target audience? No. Or whatever? No. Yeah. But it's, not the point, though. it's not the point, actually. So like I said to somebody before, I said, it's actually not the point whether one person watches, two person watches, ten people watch live. It's the point that I publicly stated that I'm doing this at this time mm-hmm. and I'm going to show up to do it. That to me was 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 the brand of what we're building here in the lab, which is when we make a statement on something, we're showing up to do it and we're going to do it over and over and over and over and over. Yes, yes. Well, like, for example, I, I, I told you I do betting on my show. Yes. We're at 61%. We still get it wrong 38.3% of the time. <laughs> yeah. I'm here and accountable for you each week as a result. Yes. Now, granted, I'm giving you an ROI that is through the roof, um, but it still means that there's going to be times I got things wrong. You know, for most people, you call six games, they're going to get three of them right. Yeah. But to consistently be getting at least four of them right is crazy. Uh, but that still means there's two wrong. So that's just part of, of the way that that, that it is there. Um, so I, I love your point about uh, accountability and going through that. And if I can share one more thing with your audience that kind of hits back to one of the, the, the big problems that I answered, and I get that a lot of the things I talked about weren't necessarily about X's and O's of business, and they were more about relationship. But the reason is because you get your relationships right, you'll make your life better. And this is another one of these things that it's never been easier to do. We get told all the time, and you may have brought it up on your show before, that if you really want to make a difference, you need to consistently write it down or consistently think about it so that you focus on it. You started by talking about your non-negotiables in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so many of us don't do that. And the reason, at least in my findings, that that happens is because it just feels weird. There's no immediate outcome for it. Why should I be doing this? I already can think about it. Fine. We'll even grant you that is true. I'm not sure it is, but we'll grant it. You want to do something that will truly make a difference and change the your generations moving forward, meaning your kids and your grandkids, to end the cycle of whatever negativity you have or to, more importantly, enhance a growth spiral. Every single one of our phones has a thing called a voice recording app for voice memos. Every single one of us. And you don't need to do this every day. You could. I, I actually would rather invite you to do it once a month but it's something you'll think about very regularly. Write, actually dictate, because this is a voice memo, but dictate a message to your kids, to each one of them individually, that they're going to listen at some date and time. And you get to figure out what that is. For me personally, it's going to be when he leaves for college. Um, But for some of you, it's going to be when they turn 25 or whatever. That part's not really relevant. The point is, is that how many of us wish that when we were going through something when we were young in our life that we actually knew someone else's perspective of why they were acting that way like when we brought that boyfriend home why did mom start crying like what was the reality there oh because it reminded her of the first person that did x and if you actually can give that perspective to your kids a you will do it because it's once a month And you'll think about it all the time. I want him to learn about this. I want him to know this. And this might be things that he's not even ready for yet. Like not even age group applicable. I did one. 
about, you know, this is why you treat people this way. And if you have a crazy person in charge, never support them whenever the Russian war started. Um, so the point being, you will actually do this. And then what you will essentially be handing your child is years of your knowledge and lifestyle. And does that mean everything you say is going to be right? No. But they're going to know how you lived your life and the things that worked and the things that didn't. And the more honest you can be, the better. And what you will create, A, is not only just a better adult relationship with them once they get there, but you will create a roadmap of how they can make their lives better, which then in turns will make the next generation better, next generation better. Literally, if they're as long as you want to make them, so they can be five minutes, they can be five hours. It's once a month. Again, you can do longer. I personally am doing once a month because I don't want to bombard them with five million things, just have it be so much overload you can't absorb it. But, you know, whenever you're having a situation and you're wondering why I reacted this way or that way, well, here's my mentality at the time. You know, this isn't me looking back 15 years ago with my rose colored glasses on. This is, this is how it was then. And this is me telling it to you. It also is a cool, like little time capsule thing to hear how your voice changes <laughs> as you get older. But it's something that literally will make a difference. We're all told to journal or record our thoughts. And this is something that will do it. And it will you. And the other part is you'll radically find out what's actually meaningful to you. The parts that, that recur to you, like, I want to tell them how to deal with this problem. I want to tell them about this success or that success. And because it's for your kids, A, it'll be more meaningful and B, you actually will do it. And the power, all those powers of journaling and recording, you actually will benefit from. Joe Rocky Jr., is there anything that I have not asked you about today? Uh, you know, you mentioned your book a few times. Is there anything that we have not spoken about that you want to ensure the audience is aware about before we wrap up and say goodbye? Um, I, you know, I, I, I particularly love the conversation. I think it was great. Um, you know, in, in terms of, of things that, again, I can talk about how to build a relationship across the board and forever and, and just topics that I, I talk about and help people with are really outstanding. And you guys can go to my website and see the list, but um, it, it, it's pretty massive. Things like how to make sure your client never wants to lie to you, you know, a big thing out there for a sales world, how to, to, to make yourself survive any limitation. We, we outlined a little bit of that exercise earlier. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I really appreciate the, the chance to come on here and, and talk with you. I love helping people. I hope that this reaches people in a moment that, that they need it the most. And if the moment is now, you know, obviously reach out to me here. Elite Business Conversations is the website. You'll be able to set up a meeting either with myself or a member of the team, and we'll be able to help you out. So, uh, so likewise, is it cool if I ask you, is there uh, anything about this conversation we just had here that stood out to you? You have provided a lot of insight. I would say that, uh, and, I, and I'm grateful and I'm thankful for that. I would say that the audience who listened to this today is going to recognize um, the power of sales, is going to have realized some good tips, some golden nuggets, as I, as I like to throw out there to the audience. So you certainly uh, provided value, you provided some advice. Uh, and I think more importantly, most importantly, Joe, um, your words created a lot of awareness. I, I think anybody listening would have... Uh, uh, giving them some things to think about along the way. Well, that, that's the goal because 
like I said, I, I know I dropped at least three different drills someone can do an exercise in their life. Yeah. If you do them, your, your life will become radically better. Regardless of your starting point, it will become better. Yes, 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 yes. Joe Rocky, thanks for joining me here in the lab. I'm going to throw you back in the green room. I'm going to go say goodbye to the audience and come back and walk you out. Does that work for you? Perfect. Thank you. I'll talk to you then. Awesome. Hang tight, my friend. I'm going to do, we know how this works. Do this. We're going to put me up here. We're going to play this here. Yeah, we know, my goodness, all these buttons he's got to press. There we go. All right. Got some music again. Hope you guys enjoyed the chat today with Joe Rocky, Joe Rocky Jr., future owner of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Great nuggets today. Great sales tips. Uh, for me, most importantly, I think great awareness. So as you listen today, I'm thinking that there's things you can take away. Right. Maybe you want to create a journal for your kids. Maybe you want to leave them some voice notes along the way. Once a week, once a month, once every, you know, every, every, but pick a time, hold yourself accountable to it and start leaving some thoughts. Valuable tool, valuable tool. Joe talked about, you know, the power of sales, right? The power of relationships. Uh, just don't go and lie to people. Go build relationships. I know they're cliche things, but you know, when we hear them enough, we, we remind ourselves how true they really are. You need some help, need some motivation, need some advice, go find Joe. You can find Joe at, at uh, business, Elite Business Conversations. Go find him on LinkedIn, Elite Business Conversations. We're going to package all this content up, send it to you guys. It'll be on the internet, everywhere. It'll be on YouTube, Substack, X, LinkedIn, everywhere. You can find it. I'm Keith. You know where to find me. I sit in this chair Monday to Monday holding myself accountable, holding you accountable, holding our guests accountable what you're doing to get yourself through your life to your next so i'm gonna get out of here today go walk joe out of the lab and i'll see you guys tomorrow